podcast answer man episode number well i'm not quite sure Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and as I said in the intro here, not exactly sure what episode number this is, is because, and that's because I am recording this during a 24-hour podcast marathon. But I'm very excited to tell you who my guest is today. I am very honored and and very delighted to have uh, a guest host on the podcast Answer Man today, all the way from Amersfoort in the Netherlands, uh, our great friend, Father Roderick. Father Roderick, welcome to the podcast Answer Man. Hey, Cliff. How are you doing? I've never been better, and it gets better every single minute of the day. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so what time is it there in Amersfoort right now? Is it about 6 a.m.? Uh, it's, uh, it's 7 o'clock. 7, 7 o'clock in the morning. Wonderful. I'm just about to, uh, to do my morning run, and uh, but before that, of course, I wanted to talk to you. Or you wanted to talk to me, and I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that we're, we're finally getting a chance to talk, and, and I just want to tell folks, and, and I'm sure you know this because I've, I've shared it with you before, and I think I even did a, like a My Crazy Life devoted to uh, why I like the daily breakfast and, and, and what you've done to inspire me in podcasting. So, but for those who are listening to the podcast Answer Man, if you haven't heard me talk about Father Roderick before, uh, he's among the first of those who I listen to as as far as people that I subscribe to podcasts. I think it was uh, Leo Laporte, I li- and then there was a Lost podcast, and then uh, Father Roderick was right behind. And, and Father Roderick, I think I came around just before you started the Daily Breakfast, right during the transition from a new starting up a new feed of the Daily Breakfast. And honestly, I think over the course of the years, I've only missed maybe four or five episodes of your show. I've got a special medal uh, right here for you that I'm going to send you because <laughs> <laughs> I think, don't think there are many people that have listened to all of those podcasts. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you've been, I, I, in, and, I, I'm, and I'm sure that you'll say the same thing because I've heard you say it, but uh, we've, I, I think you and I have been on this virtual mutual inspiration to each other in, in the field of podcasting and technology. Yeah, I feel that somehow we're among the dinosaurs of uh, of podcasting, and we we started off when it was still a very unknown technology, and uh, bit by bit we've been getting better, and and we've learned um, along the way, and gathered the community, and we've seen the whole transition from you know at first we were mostly you know occupied with how are we going to do this technically how to improve the sound quality the the format of our shows and over the years we've become more and more community builders and it's much more about the social aspect of what we do uh, and uh, because we uh, we kind of know how to do it technically now Exactly. Exactly. The matter of fact, I remember uh, we who had time to build community in the beginning because it was it was like five to six hours worth of work for each show that we produced. Oh yeah, I think that we both started off uh, recording stuff and then going back in uh, in post production in an editor and then just cutting out everything that we didn't like. And of course, um, when you first start to podcast or do any form of communication and you listen back to yourself, you're like, oh my goodness, I 
do I really sound like that? All the ums and all the mistakes. And let's re-record this. And then we would spend hours and hours, at least I would, but I assume you too, uh, you know, cutting out all the little mistakes and, and pauses. And it would make the whole thing in our in our mind, very, very smooth and well-produced, but other people would tell us, well, this is overproduced. It sounds so artificial. <laughs> and uh, please keep in all the mistakes because that's what makes podcasting so different from radio and regular media. And it makes it more real. Absolutely. And th- I, that was the same exact feedback that I got. It's like, listen, we the reason why we started listening to you and subscribe to your show wasn't because you're doing all this editing. It's because you're real and you're transparent. And and when you make a mistake, we hear it and we don't feel like you're better than us. Like, you know, some of these radio personalities out there make us feel, you know, like they're they're, they're somebody that we must bow down to. <laughs> well, I We're, still like it when people bow down to me, but uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I, you know, it, that's funny you say that, and, and I know you say that in jest, but there's always some truth in, in, in when it comes to making jest of something. I don't know about you, Father Roderick, but in the beginning, I really did struggle with a big head. Oh, really? <laughs> I did. I, I, you know, not not like really pompous and it's like bow down to me, but I really, I, I did. I, all of a sudden, people who would all of a sudden just subscribe and listen and and all of a sudden I felt like a little bit more important I felt like I was a little bit more important than maybe I thought I should have been <laughs> I've always been brought up with uh, the the um the, the the sense of well uh, please don't don't uh, don't grow your ego in any way shape or form and i must admit that i was very surprised that people even took the time to listen to me i was like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? I'm just this Dutch guy. I, of course, I was also a little bit um, uh, insecure because English is not my native language. And so I would often m- make mistakes, and I still do in vocabulary, grammar, uh, pronunciation. And, um, and so it was always uh, kind of a challenge to, to make a recording and to put it out there. And then I... I, I I was always afraid that people would email me, oh, you said this wrong and you did this wrong. So <laughs> I think that kept my ego in uh, in check. Well, that, that's the, that was the next step. And it didn't take me lo- too long before somebody took a big, huge uh, straight pin and popped the bubble uh, and says, wait a second, you're, you're nobody special here, buddy. Uh, and, and as a podcaster, uh, I know you've shared this in your your show uh, over the years. And I've, I've seen it with so many other podcasters and, and certainly those who have listened to us for any amount of time know that we as podcasters are not immune to some very negative feedback from our audience. Oh yeah, sure. People are very direct in, in, in all forms of internet communication because they don't realize that there's actually a living person in front of them and they would never say those things um, when they would be standing right in front of you, but they, they do when they are posting you know, an email or uh, posting on a blog. And um, well, you you learn to deal with it. It it hurts, especially when you when you're not used to that kind of comment. I mean, I have my parishioners. I'm a priest in a in a in a parish in a number of parishes here, and and people in Holland, at least in the part where I live, are very direct. And so you often get criticism, but it's never as blunt and as uh, outrageous as some of the criticism that you would get on the internet by people that you don't even know. Absolutely. <laughs> who, who are you? And why do you even bother to <laughs> to write this? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, the, the, as, as strong as we try to be and, we, and the fact that we understand that we're not going to be able to please 
everyone. It, it still affects us, and and and, uh, and I, I I'm just glad that uh, over the years we've kind not not that we're immune to it, but we are we're definitely we I think we have thicker skin. Would you say? Yeah, thicker skin, and also you know dealing with negative feedback has could have a positive effect in a way that there's always something that that motivates people to write. Um, so even if for 99% we think, you know, that that is your problem and that is how you feel, there's always this 1% that, that might give us an idea on how to improve our shows. And that is usually how I try to spin it for myself, even though at first I can yell at an email like, what? How do you dare to write me that? But then after a while, after a day or so, and after some prayer, <laughs> I, I calm down and it's like, well, you know, there, there might be something in there. And uh, so the, the trick is not to get discouraged by negative email and at the same time uh, take from it what could help to improve your show. And it made me also aware that um, you can never please everyone, which I, I desperately tried to do at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which, and that was, I think, one of the things that made it sound so stilted and so artificial because you're, you, I was trying to be this radio personality, even in my... I cannot listen back to the first episodes of The Catholic Insider because I'm like, Catholic Insider, number one. Who is this? <laughs> Who are you trying to be, man? Just be yourself. But I was trying to please my audience because I imagined that that was the kind of style that I thought people would like. And, um, and, and the trick is to, to be yourself and at the same time also be very critical about what you do. And, 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 and I try to do that also while listening to other podcasts and ask myself all the time, why do I like this show or what irks me? Why... Why do, don't I like this part of the show or this this style or this particular item? And and then you know look in the mirror and see. Well, perhaps I'm doing the same, and perhaps I can learn something from this. So to me, it's always listening to podcasts is not just to entertain myself, but it's also a learning process, being very critical. In a, in a constructive way, of course, I would never write a, a podcaster like, oh, that was the most horrible show that I've ever listened to. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it's, it's uh, you know, in feedback, we always have to try to, to encourage and only give feedback, um, perhaps negative feedback or corrective feedback, I would call it, when people ask for it. When, mm-hmm. when another podcaster would ask me, so what do you think of my show? Be honest. Then I would be honest. I would I would say, well, okay, I'm going to tell you my point of view is just my point of view. And I'm not representative for the rest of your audience. But here's what I think. Here's the good stuff. And here's the stuff that you could improve. And I hope that people will do that with me as well when I, when I ask them. And, and within the SQPN community, with the board members. Uh, we are very frank, and uh, <laughs> I've had to swallow a lot of my pride over the years because I always I'm I'm the wacky guy with the weird ideas and, um, and and no sense of realism. So I always plan on doing the most outrageous projects, and then the board is fortunately there to tell me, well, first of all, uh, we don't think that this is a good idea. That will not be an audience. You like it, but <laughs> who else? And you don't have time, and let's focus, and uh, and that really helps me. Um, and and after a while, I have to you know admit they're right, uh, and and I'm glad that other people give me that correction because otherwise I would just gallop away in the distance and never come back. Very cool. Well, I, I'll tell you, I'm glad that you have that accountability, and I 
have uh, also, I don't have necessarily have a board here at GSPN.tv. Yeah, your wife, that, but, that is worth, right? My wife is very good <laughs> at keeping me in check when it comes to, to swallowing exactly. my pride. But uh, let me let me ask you, uh, because this is for the podcast Answer Man. And so we have the, we have a whole gamut of people who are listening to uh, this particular episode of, of the show. And and I know I like to really inspire the folks who are out there who are listening. They're thinking about getting started or they've just started and they, they really are interested in some of the more technical details of, that I used to share back when I got started. But let me go ahead and ask you, um, how did you first hear about podcasting? And, uh, you know, as far as what was your first podcast? Where did you hear about it? Do you remember any of those details? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got an email just before Christmas in 2004. And it was from um, a parishioner of mine who uh, who is a venture capitalist. So he's he's used to checking out the new exciting initiatives and put money in it. And um, I was just new. I, I think I'd just arrived in a parish and uh, I came from Rome. I had done communication studies over there and but never figured that, you know, I would end up doing what I do right now. Um, and so in that email, that person wrote, well, hey, have you ever heard of, um, of podcasting? And um, you, you know Adam Curry? Well, he, he's doing something. It's like radio on a, on a USB stick or something like that. It was like a vague description. I was like, what? <laughs> but it sounded intriguing. And so I, I, I'm not even sure if Google was around. I suppose so. Yeah, I assume it was. And so I found um, a website about I think it was about RSS feeds and Adam Curry and it popped up. I didn't even get to to his site, but somehow I found um, I found out where these files were located, these MP3 files. I listened to them, and and at the time Adam Curry was still uh, talking a lot about this these new developments. It, it, that was the contents of his show. It was a, a source code, so it was very technical, and it was about so what can we do with this and uh, uh, what equipment and how do you how do you post it? How do you make an RSS feed? I didn't know all these things. I mean. I was tech savvy, so I had a computer and I knew how to program websites and, and design and stuff, but I'd never done anything with, with audio, let alone digital audio and RSS feed. So with a bit of tampering, I uh, figured out, oh, the, so that's how it works. And at the same time, it was I was asked to, um, to come to Rome, to the Vatican, um, on a, a congress about, um, about the church and the media. And um, while I was still in Rome, I, I had... I've I've gotten to know some people in the Vatican, and I talked about my internet projects and everything. As I was already building websites, and uh, and so I was invited to talk about you know new new media and how it would affect the church and what you could do with it. And so I figured, well, I might as well um, record a podcast and 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 show them that and just tell them about that exciting new technology because I was really enthusiastic about it. I thought, this is the future of radio. You know, radio is going to disappear and podcasting is going to take over. That was, I was just basically mimicking exactly what, what Adam Curry was doing uh, and saying. And so I was like, oh, this is the future and I've got to talk about it. And so that's how it all started. And, and technically, I didn't have much. I think I was I had um, an old mini disc recorder. Remember those from Sony? Yeah, yeah. Small, the Cine- very fragile devices. Uh, looked a bit like the old Walkmans. There was this this tiny magnetic disc inside that would spin around, 
the problem, of course, being with all these moving elements and a reading head, it's like a mini hard drive, actually, that you're carrying around, but constructed in a very, uh, it was just very flimsy and, and would break very, very quickly. And so I, I had used those during my uh, formation in, in radio in, in, uh, in Rome. And, so, and, and that's, that's what I used for my first podcast. And I've been using a mini disc for, well, I guess for for a year and a half or two years even. I did all my, my first um, documentaries because I, I was just in the streets recording stuff that I saw and describing it. So I, was, I, I didn't start with sitting in a studio. I didn't have a studio. I didn't have a, a good microphone or a mixer. I only bought that stuff like two years later. Um, so I, I did a lot of mobile po- podcasting. And then, of course, with all the challenges that that posed because uh, the, these mini discs, you couldn't download it digitally. You had to hook it up. Uh, in an analog way and then re-record the whole thing with your computer, then edit it, then post it. It was just, it took me like eight hours for, for, uh, for half an hour of, uh, of, uh, of show. Absolutely. And, and I remember there were times and, and that you had mentioned the fact that you were in the process of moving data from the mini disc recorder. And of course I had the old mini disc recorder that was just analog. You had to actually plug in the headphones jack on one end, had two RCAs on the other and, and kind of brought it in that way. But you actually had the, the newer model of the mini disc recorder that had the quote unquote data link. Yeah, I bought it later. Um, at first I, I had the same as you have. Uh, but um, it, I think it broke down in the middle of a, oh, I don't know, it, usually these things break down when you're doing the podcast of your life. Like you've got your first personal audience with the Pope and he proposes to drink a beer with you. And then at that moment, your, your mini disc breaks. <laughs> I got to get a new one. But I didn't have any money. And, uh, and I think I talked about it on the show and then the people just started to send me money <laughs> to buy a new device. Yeah, and yeah. that's how I, I got to uh, buy one of those um, digital devices. But again, it, the technology was so unreliable. And I think um, the, the moment that I decided to stop was while I was in France, it was two, three years ago now. And um, I was on vacation and I was making, every day I was producing like three or four podcasts. There was so much to see and I would do my research, go to a place with, you know, prehistorical stuff or a big castle. I would walk around and talk about it and do all these these great documentaries. And and, and it was a wonderful uh, region. It was... Um, uh, it was not Normandy, but uh, uh, Brittany in, uh, in in France, which is a fascinating country. And so I had this one mini disc with uh, at least five hours of, of material on it, and it broke. The, the latch mechanically broke, and the disc got damaged, and I haven't been able to recover uh, all that audio. And it, there was like a year's worth of shows on there. And and that's when I broke down. I was like, I am never, ever, ever going to record anything again with a device uh, that has mechanical parts. Right. I want to switch to a digital device. And that's what I bought a few months later. Uh, got myself one of those digital recorders and have been using that ever since. And yeah. uh that is a lot more reliable. Exactly. And, and so for our listeners, uh, just so you know what Father uh, Roderick is using now, he's using the Samsung Zoom H2 recorder, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was the cheapest one. Yeah. And I'm Dutch, and we're kind of always uh, looking at our wallet first and then think. And so <laughs> I think I bought this one while I was at the um, New Media Expo uh, two years ago in um, 
Ontario, uh, California. And we went into one of those electronic stores and it had just come out and it was $199, which to me sounded extremely cheap. It was like, okay, let's get it. And uh, I don't use it that often anymore because I don't do that that many audio documentaries at present. but uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's a nice device. The recording quality is very good. Um, unfortunately, the menu and stuff is not very good, so it's it's clumsy and it it just drains the batteries very quickly. So it's not ideal, but you know it works. Yeah, I, I've definitely done several reviews of the Zoom H2 recorder. In fact, I got a used one here for anybody listening that wants to buy one. Uh, so if you want to contact me, feedback at gspn.tv. Uh, I know where you can get a used one. Of course, if you want new ones, I sell those as well. But anyway, uh, so tell us about your studio. When did you get your equipment? What did you start out with? And and what's the been, been kind of the progression in uh, in the equipment that you've brought in? Oh, that's very simple. There has been no progression whatsoever. I'm still using the same old stuff that I used when I bought it. I think um, I must have purchased this, uh, well, three years ago, I think. Yeah, something like that. I just went to a music store, um, not in my own town because we don't have um, stores that sell this kind of equipment, uh, but to uh, the town of Utrecht, which is uh, not far from here. And uh, I just asked him, I said, I want to have a microphone. I, um, I need one, a microphone that is that is appropriate for radio recording. Um, uh, I want to have a, a simple mixer. And um, and some cables, and that's it. And so they um, they sold me. Uh, they had actually a, a microphone that I'm still using. I'm talking in it right now. Uh, I don't even know. It's a super lux thing. It's sometimes you can find it on internet on obscure websites. I don't think it's uh, it's uh, in production anymore. But at the time, they were selling it to me for 19. 19- uh, euro, which is twenty five bucks. Wow! wow. And, and like, wow, that that is cheap, and it looked real. I mean, it had a great look. I was like, okay, at least if even if it doesn't sound too well, it looks very professional. So you know, people are going to take me more seriously. <laughs> and uh, and then the mixer is a Behringer, also one of the cheaper models. I think it was like one hundred and twenty bucks or something. It's an analog mixer. There's no USB port on it, and um, I, I that's the one thing that I've always struggled with mixers. Even when I was doing my communication studies in Rome, I remember one of the first audio, we had like um, these, of course, a lot of courses about how to produce good shows and the the more the content side of it but there was also a technical course where you had to learn and they were you were taught the mechanics of how how to make it all work and the one exam that I always flunked and I I never mastered it was how to operate a mixer I just couldn't wrap my my head around it was like so how do I connect this and what is what goes where and I just it was too complicated and I I just don't my my internal wiring in my head is is not compatible with mixers and so it was a a long painful process of trial and error that has continued up until today because the only extra thing that I bought a few weeks ago was a um, a compressor and a noise gate. It, it's one of these uh, 19-inch racks. And I remember uh, struggling for days with it. I just couldn't figure out how to how to rig it, how to make it work. And it would sound horrible. And and uh, you got online at one point and I was asking you, so how do I do this? And you had a, a diagram up on your website. It showed how you had rigged it up. So I tried that out. And Ultimately, I, I still don't know how I did it, but um, it, it works more or less. And I've learned one thing throughout the years, and it's like if it works, don't change it anymore. 
<laughs> and so uh, right now, that is still the equipment that I use. I think in total, I must have, well, I guess in hardware for 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 300 bucks here not more it's yeah. a, it's a very cheap yeah and 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 for for those who are looking to get a really great sounding uh, podcast and, and 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 obviously I'm gonna just tell everybody and just remind everybody you can actually podcast for for absolutely nothing if you already have a a, a headset with a microphone on it and you have a computer you can podcast for free well yeah but don't use those no. I mean invest a little bit in a good microphone exactly uh, I mean, your voice is your instrument so you you need good equipment yeah and it it's not necessarily very expensive equipment. I mean, you, you're selling great stuff, and it's it's not it's not super expensive, but it is so much nicer to listen to a good sounding voice than these grating voices. Dear, welcome to what's said. The hero's what said. You know, you got these headsets, and it's horrible, and it's yeah. noisy. You don't want that. No, not at all. It, it, well, the thing is, is, I would suggest if people are just thinking about dabbling and it's a hobby for you, kind of just want to talk about your passion or whatever, go ahead and give it a shot. See if you like it. But uh, if you want something good, I, I, I think it's great that you started out the way you did. Uh, having and, and I do suggest, by the way, an analog mixer. Uh, just, just go straight analog. Uh, you can always bring it into your computer if you want to do that using the uh, tape out. And uh, using some RCA cables and then an eighth inch jack on the other end to the line in on your sound card, you're good to go. And uh, and in fact, I found that in a majority of the cases, those who actually spend the extra money to get the USB, uh, they're a little bit frustrated when they plug it in and get it all set up and they start hearing ground noise. So, so that happens about 80% of the time. And, yeah. and, and then what happens is they've spent that extra money and I say, okay, now take away the USB cable, uh, go to Radio Shack, buy this cable and plug it up and see if that fixes your problem and it fixes it. So, yeah. But yeah, a, a small mixer uh, doesn't have to be expensive and, and, a, and a decent microphone and you don't have to have a high LPR 40. Uh, obviously, Father Roderick's got a great sounding mic. Is yours a condenser mic, by the way? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it is. You have a. I'm, I'm doing the 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 close mic t- technique. I like to be as you know. I'd like to eat the the microphone as if it's an ice cream, and I guess that's why uh, it has a, a good frequency range and it captures even the lower frequencies of my voice. If I would uh, sit back more, like a lot of podcasters do, I, I listen to a lot of great podcasts and content, but what always bugs me is that people are like two meters or I don't know how many feet that is away from their microphone, and so you hear all the the echo from their room, and it just sounds so sterile. And so, I don't know, empty and and uh, so I I'd, I'd wish people would would dare to get as close as possible to the microphone because it it it, it gives a much more intimate uh, experience as a listener. Exactly, exactly. And oh, a little, oh, little feedback, little there. feedback there. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that, that's no, fine. that's fine. Check one, check two. one, two. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, your voice gets a little bit um, weird. Weird. Looping here. A little bit here. of disturbance. I'll tell you what. I'll um, tell you what. Um, let me pause let me for just pause one second. Just one second. Sure. All right. So we're back. And um, what I was going to say there, real quickly, for those who are listening, uh, as far as microphone placement, uh, it really is important to be right up on the mic to get a really good full body sound and to get away from the the room noise, the echo room noise and stuff. What I suggest is definitely you'll want a pop filter, which is a it's kind of a little bit of a netting that that keeps you from popping your peas. And, and your bees 
and that should usually be within almost a half an inch from the front of your microphone where you would speak into it. And then I usually suggest being about an inch away from the pop filter with your mouth. And, and that's pretty much how close you should be. And so uh, that, that's what Father Roderick's doing. And he now folks have heard me say I'm not a fan of condenser microphones. Uh, but what Father Roderick's doing to help negate some of the drawbacks of a condenser microphone is he's actually turning his gain down. So it's not I'm not hearing all the background of his room. He's actually right up on the microphone, so it doesn't have to be, the sensitivity is not turned up so loud. Well, and every microphone has its own dynamics and its own range. And uh, if you go to a, to, a, to a person who knows the stuff, it, it will tell you, well, this, this has a, you know, sometimes they will, will have a graphical design in a manual, mm-hmm. and which will show you how, how, how much it's capturing and what it does not capture. And if I move away from this microphone, you know, you won't hear me anymore. Also because of the noise gate, of course, it will just shut it down. But, uh, but in general, it doesn't, it has a, a very close range, which I like because it, it forces me to be close to the microphone and thereby close to the ear of the listener because that's basically what's happening. The microphone is where your ear is as a listener. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, SQPN. Tell us what SQPN stands for. Um, well, it's um, it's a bit like GSPN, but then done by a bunch of Catholics. <laughs> it's the same kind of idea. It's it's a community, um, and uh, at the time I was when I started, I was doing everything myself, and soon I got so excited, and I, I started to discover other people that were um, were experimenting with podcasting, and I thought, well, what if we just form a platform where people can do this together and we can bring our audiences into one community and they can interact and and if they listen to one show and they like it they can uh, also get to know the other shows and uh, another um, motivation for me to start SQPN which stands for by the way the StarQuest Production Network kind of a fancy name but it it, it refers to the story of the the three wise men that follow the star uh, and uh, so it's a quest for the star, and, and that's how I see my well the the, the journey of my listeners. Um, they're all seeking for for guidance in their life. They're, they they try to find direction, and what we do with our podcast is actually try to be that star and, and guide people, and uh, instead of forcing them or pushing them, which is a risk when because of course I'm you know it's a Catholic network, so people might think oh this is going to be preaching and I'm going to be pushed around and people are going to force me to believe and, and whereas I haven't. I've, I'm, I've not become a priest because someone pushed me, but because I was attracted to something. I was curious. And, and that is the kind of attitude that I, I think our audience has there. They're just curious. They want to know more. They want to explore and discover. And, and so that our approach should be to, uh, to try to be these guiding stars, but again, without forcing people. And so uh, another uh, motivation for me to start SQPN was, well, we need to improve the quality because uh, a lot of the especially as soon as we're talking religious communication, somehow, uh, I don't know, church people always think that they can do second best or, or they can do just, just a horrible quality and people will still listen. When you look at, 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 at what, what um, religious television is producing, the shows on television, the radio, the talk radio that's out there, it's terrible. It is so lame. It is boring. It is preachy. It, it is pushing uh, people. Uh, it's uh, sometimes also self-centered in the worst uh, case scenario where it's, 
it's not really about religion. It's not about God. It's about, you know, it's about the host. It's about the network. It's about the money. And, oh, really, really uh, disappointing. And I was afraid that if we don't work together and teach each other how to, how to improve and motivate each other how to, to be the best um, as far as communication is concerned, that we would get stuck in this in this uh, I don't know secondhand audio and 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 just just stuff that won't work because if it doesn't work on television and radio and in the old media it will not work in new media either and um, and so I've always been um, hammering on the importance of getting not only good sound quality and 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 technical quality I mean that's like almost presuppose that you need that but much more important is how do you make a show how do you tell a story how do you make it entertaining how do you make a format uh, uh, that 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 keeps people glued to their to their uh, earbuds um and and how do you um what what is the topic of your show that actually caters to a need of your audience? And that's another thing that religious uh, media makers often forget. They think, well, we've got the message, and well, you're you're lucky because you found us, and we're going to tell you what you need. Instead of asking, so how can I help you? And wait a second, I I think I can help you. Here is from my tradition and my world something that might be that, that inspires me and that might inspire you. So it's a whole different attitude, and 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 that's also I think um, a sign of quality. It is when people can feel this this podcaster, this media producer cares about me, answers my questions, helps me in my life. And as soon as someone thinks in, in your audience, well. This is not about me anymore. Um, the 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 producer doesn't need me, but apparently he needs me for for his thing for his network. Then people will will just move away. They won't they won't listen anymore. Exactly, exactly. And then that's the big thing that uh, I have I've struggled with uh, getting folks to understand. A lot of my uh, people that call me for consulting, they want to know, you know, how can I build my audience to you know two hundred fifty thousand people and and stuff like that. And it's like, well, how many people are you do you have listening to you now? And 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 the answer ranges. You know, I've got fifty people. I have one hundred and eighty people. I have three hundred people. And and I ask them this question: How connected are you to what those pe- who those people are? How much how much do you know about that audience? What can you can you tell me about ten or fifteen people who listen to you and 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 just a little bit about them? And and the answer is always the same. It's like, well, what do you mean? I I, I try I can't answer everybody's email, and I can't ever do this. And no, I'm not going to get on Twitter. And no, I'm not going to do this. And and I'm like, uh, it's going to be tough to grow your audience if all you're looking for is somebody to listen to you. Yeah, I think the first thing is uh, that you need is a is a heart. You need to care for people. You need to care for uh, what 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 bothers them, what 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 they live, what what interests them. If you don't care, don't start a podcast. <laughs> if it's only about you and your thing, and you don't need other people, well, why why would you podcast? But if you have a heart, if you want to help, if you want to service the community, um, and even with entertainment, you can do that. I mean, you can do a, a show about a television program or, or movies or video games and still um, care for your audience and, and try to, you know, entertain them. 
that's that's caring too but but uh, if you don't even care what 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 and, and and having all these you know being active in social communities on the web and asking questions and being on twitter i think it's part it's part of the toolbox that you need to to get to know your audience and to connect with them and if for you going on to twitter or or having a setting up a facebook page or answering your email is a chore and you would rather just you know, run around and and not doing that stuff, then then please don't start a podcast because no one will listen. Well, or or the only people who are going to listen won't stick around because it, it, yeah. th- this community, the 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 folks out there in the social media space, the people who are who are lis- listening to this stuff, they what draws them th- to this medium, and and I I think you know it, if it would have all been people who didn't care and it, and it was in podcasting kind of was a um, a mirror, just a time shifted thing of of just produced programs from the radio. Um, then maybe people wouldn't care as much. But what people have come accustomed to is that uh, uh, when it comes to a podcast, sure, it's time shifted and there's some additional benefits there. But really, the fact is, is that a majority of the case, I mean, 99.9% of all podcasts out there, you have some method of accessibility to the person who produces that content. Yes, yeah. The, you, you, the, there's a close contact that is possible with the with the producers, and it's more, much more of a, a human relationship. And um, the, that is, I think, that the difference with regular media. There is always a, a huge layer in between um, you and and the producer or the host, and you you never get to speak to these people unless you come across them in the supermarket, and then they probably will hate you <laughs> when you ask for their autograph. And uh, with podcasting there is this opportunity to connect with each other and to really help help each other out and i think it's a mutual thing it's not just me as a producer helping my audience but oftentimes and i'm pretty sure that you have the same experience your audience will help you when you have a question and you twitter it or you ask it in your show and people will immediately respond and give you all sorts of tips and advice and uh, and that is wonderful and once someone has actually actively contributed to your show and helping out the host, then you have a connection. Then you really have shared something, and 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 that is a connection that won't break that easily unless you you know you really uh, drop the ball. Uh, but but usually when when there has been real interaction and someone someone from your audience has made your life better and you've done the same for that person, then that relationship is there to stay and it won't go away. And in that respect, I think podcasting is is much closer to our. Uh, overall real life human interaction as well if, if you if you helped out your neighbor and he's helped you out you're good neighbors and you won't get into a fight whereas if you never care for each other um, well it's uh, you might as well move and and, and the, the other person won't won't even notice absolutely and, and I can definitely tell that tell you that um, both you and I have had that experience of, of these close relationships, and and I, I think off the top of my head, uh, I have probably about three to three hundred and fifty people who I know I have that that you know mutual uh, benefiting one another kind of you know this reciprocity of you know we have done things for each other and and we're here and, and GSPN.TV, we wouldn't be well I wouldn't be able to do this full time. Uh, as a career, if it weren't for uh, right now, as as of today, 198 people who are paying us $10 a month to help support this programming and, and who have become consulting clients and told other people about me and, and stuff like that and the equipment sales that I do. I mean, this com- community has made 
this a possibility for me to do this full time. And that's something I never dreamed would be possible uh, this early on in the game. Absolutely. Although I do believe that <clears throat> there is one one risk of, and, and that is a risk for all of us uh, podcasters is that we at, at one point in our life we might get into a certain rhythm of production and I'm currently struggling with that a bit um, so I've, I've, I'm doing my shows I know how to do them I've, I've got my, my schedule I've got my regular interactions with my regular audience <clears throat> and I forget that there might be another huge audience out there that has never heard of the show and that might might become part of that audience if they were invited. And yet I'm so used to my regular interaction with my regular audience that it get, kind of becomes this confined, closed environment. And and so that is always something... That, with podcasting, we're always on, on in between two worlds. We are... Um, niche marketer, uh, marketeers, or like we have a niche market. So it's a niche audience of people that choose to listen and choose to stay put and, and subscribe. At the other, uh, at the same time, we also have the scope of our, our shows is, is always mass media. We, we want to re- do shows that appeal to a large audience. And so, um, what I feel, what I struggle with, uh, is how do I how do I um, avoid falling asleep and 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 closing the community so that that outsiders will will not hear from it, it won't feel welcome, um, and how can I spread the word? And I think that that is a totally different uh, communications technique. It's not about the show itself because the show can be great and great quality and totally balanced after a number of months or years, but um, it, it's much more of how how do I how do I spread the word about it? How can I um, uh, get on? Uh, how how do I get the word out? Do I do I print flyers and put them in places where people can find them, and, or do I use word of mouth, or do I go on forums? Do I uh, get on other shows? And um, I know that you've been experimenting with a lot of these uh, uh, these these different approaches, and. Um, uh, one of the things that I that I really admired is your um, your uh, constantly your energy to uh, to record voice feedback or or uh, ask questions to other podcasters and just send it in so that they will play it on their show or if you have a new show and you're totally enthusiastic about it uh, you, you you make a, a promo and you send it off and and we play it and. Um, and that is something I I, I always forget. <laughs> it's like on the it's way be, on the on the lower end of my list of to do things. But I think you're you're on to uh, something very important. It, it's not enough to have a great show. It's it's also extremely important to to try to connect to other audiences out there that might be already listening to similar stuff and so might have an appetite also for what you are producing. But if it, if they don't know. Well, they will never listen. That, that's exactly right. And some of the and and I've used SQPN and my connection with you as as a wonderful example, time and time again, of of how to to build an audience. And it's not just for the purpose of of gaining new listeners, but obviously, I I I am a member of the SQPN community. I'm not Catholic, but but then again, I'm not alone in the fact that uh, there are many Protestants who consider themselves to be a part of the SQPN community. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. And and so you know I want I I want to participate in your community just as much as I want to uh, have people participate with me and so I want to not just benefit my listeners but I'm a part of this other community such as Rob Williams and uh, um, and and. Mm-hmm. 
Scott Mintz and and Linda Lisa Hendy and and uh, just all these other and and Paul Camerata and Greg and Jennifer and and all these other folks out there. I, I, I could Mike Kuipers, um, Mary. Uh, so oh yeah, the, I mean, the regulars. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could I could probably name off the top of my head at least seventy five, eighty different people from the SQPN community who yeah. I interact with. And my my desire is to have those friendships, those relationships with them. Now, not all of those people listen to my content. Some of mm-hmm. them test it out from time to time and stuff like that, but that's not a part of it. What I share with them is our passion and our love for SQPN content. And so, yeah. obviously, when I, I love the fact that, you know, you'll ask something, you know, uh, I remember one thing you had when you first got your iPod Touch, you were trying to sync with Google and calendars and stuff like that and I it's like I I so spent days looking for stuff and rather than making him wait for days let me record a a two and a half minute uh, recording about this program its benefits its drawbacks and see how you like it and I did that for you and I probably got about 70 80 different people who emailed me and said oh my gosh I heard you on Father Roderick uh, your feedback was so valuable and in matter of fact I'm using that now and I just checked out your shows I'm gonna be listening to you from now on yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah. You, and that's that's how this audience grows and and you're totally right saying it's not just about audience numbers although I do believe it's important to keep striving for a, a wider reach I mean it, it is um, you need traction in order to to survive also and, and not just in, in one year from now but also in 10 years from now mm-hmm, we, we need mm-hmm. to build up this audience and that's true for the whole podcasting community um, we have to have these big ideals of reaching a, a, a huge part of the world if we don't, well, this this will still you know re- remain a very small um, small medium. Um, but but we have a strength, and that is that our our audience growth is growth through friendships, through relationships, and uh, and if we focus on that. Um, you know, it's it's very easy. Usually, when you have one friend, that friend has twenty or thirty other friends. If they have the uh, the access to this content and who hasn't nowadays with internet and broadband and iPods and you name it, um, then uh, potentially that one friend can bring in 30 more friends and every of their friends can have a, a, another group of people. And I think that is the way that we need to expand our audience. And at the same time, it, all that is just not is, is not just a means in itself. It is again a tool to help each other and to 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 become friends and to have to be part of a community, which is something that people desperately uh, desire to to be part of something, to not be alone in their world, not to struggle alone with with problems, be it you know relational problems or or technical problems, but to have friends who help you out and to be a friend for other people. Absolutely, and some other things I think that have helped us. In the area of growing our audience and connecting to other people, and, and that that I really suggest that that podcasters uh, be, participate in is is this, you know, we've talked about it and touched on it several times tonight, and it's in, even been mentioned. But the social community, the social networking um, out there that's happening, uh, we've mentioned Facebook. I know you and I both are on Facebook. We're both on Twitter. We're we both have a Plurk account, and and uh, you use that one more than I do. Uh, yeah, of course we're. Plurky. I, I, I think we're both using. Ping.fm to to hit all the status updates everywhere in the world. I switched to Hello Text because Ping was going down so often. So. Yeah, 
So, so we're, we're, we're all, you and I are both hitting all the social networks we can hit. Uh, but we're, we're not just hitting them just, well, some of them, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm just hitting some of them, but I'm an active participating member of, of Facebook and Twitter and uh, occasionally, um, the, the plurk over there. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but I, we're, we're also both blogging, sure. right? So, so you have, uh, where's your blog at Father Roderick? It's fatherroderick.com. It's um, it's not a blog that is very developed. I uh, I aggregate stuff that I post on Twitter, and and occasionally every once in a while I, I post an update on what's going on. And right now I've started um, a study project, so I'm uh, writing down stuff there about it. I, I've <laughs> it's also a, a, it has to do with focus. I, I think a blog is is useful in a way to be to be more. It's just so that people can find you, and it. And, but I'm using it almost as a as a diary, so that over, you know, in in three or four years time, I can go back and reconstruct what I was doing at the time. Sure. Uh, and and I think that has a value. I wish I had done that right from the start because now I can't remember uh, those those early days of podcasting and where I was, and uh, and it's much harder to uh, to to recover that information than than it is now. That 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 you know. All these, all these, these information bits and pieces of information are aggregated and stored. So it's not the most interesting blog, but but uh, you know it's a, it's something that is a support I think for the rest. Exactly, and 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 that's that's what I would suggest is that you actively participate in not just your building your own community, but you also interact in the larger realm of things uh you you it, you have to step outside of just podcasting and and of course the conversation that's been happening uh recently uh especially uh, the last two episodes that i recorded of course i don't know where this one will fit into the podcast answer man yet but anyway um the episode 89 and episode 90 uh were very uh big episodes here at podcastanswerman.com because episode number 80, 89 was the discussion of the fact that podding is uh, possibly mm-hmm. declaring bankruptcy, giving people yeah. six days to get all their data moved off their servers and find a new home. Um, and then, of course, uh, episode 90 is an interview I just did with Michael Gohagen, who is now famous for the catchphrase, podcasting is dead, uh, which I so adamantly disagree with him. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I, be, I believe the, the whole discussion of why people think that podcasting is dead is because they just had this weird understanding of what podcasting maybe could be, that it was going to be this mass marketing tool that was going to bring in, bring in the advertising dollars. Did you take part in the ADM? Did you sign up for the Association of Downloadable Media? No, no, I've never been part of any associ- association or deal or... I. You know, in a way, this this is uh, I think the natural evolution of of things. At first, it starts off with amateurs and and are enthusiastic, and then this medium starts to grow. And then, of course, there is a there's a par- a segment of society that thinks, how can we make money off of this, and how can we commercialize this? And uh, and after a while, they just drop off again because it doesn't work it's not it's it's not turning into uh, the money maker that they thought it would be and then you know they they disregard the fact that it's something 
really revolutionary has happened through through the medium of podcasting that is here to stay, which is the empowerment of everyone to be able to produce media. And we wouldn't have YouTube if it if it if if it weren't for podcasting because it started with podcasting. This idea that hey, I can be a media producer, and YouTube is not the last and final word. That's going to evolve, and so in 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 years from now. Um, we might have new websites, new media, new techniques. I don't know what. It's hard to predict. Perhaps we'll, we'll all do our, our 3D holographic shows. <laughs> I don't know. Or we'll just do virtual movies. And there's so much technically that is yet to be explored. But the thing that happened with podcasting, and that is what is never going away anymore, is the fact that media is no longer in the hands of a few people with a lot of money and a lot of technology with very simple means you can become a producer and in the end this is not going to be about uh, about uh, the, the the technical side anymore it's not even going to be about money I think what will remain and that is why we are the last man standing I think in, in a way that a lot of these more commercial podcasters have now abandoned the media again the medium again and and also a lot of these sponsors are 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 dropping off again but the reason that we are still here and thriving and enjoying this and hoping to do this for years to come is that our strength is in our content and in our relationship with the audience and that is something that is totally independent of of anything else that's going on in terms of distribution and 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 technicalities and money i mean we've said it so often in this show uh, you don't need much money to have a very effective uh communication going on and to build a huge audience and uh it is all about what is happening on a social level and 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 can you can you bring something to the table? Can you bring something to people's life that they cannot find anywhere else? And uh, and can you do that with passion? Well, if you do that, you're a winner and you're here to stay. That's exactly yeah. right. And so Father Roderick and I both agree podcasting is not dead. <laughs> No, no. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here. But uh, I, I've said at, at one point, I've said, um, you know, it, it could very well be that the, the term podcasting is going to fade away. I don't know. Apple might come up with a new device and call it the uh, the blurp. And then all, all of a sudden, well, you know, soup, everybody has a blurp. And you still have an iPod. That is old fashioned. And then we'll be called blurp casting or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, but the, 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 it's much more about what podcasting represents, the, the stuff that we're actually doing. And, and, and you can name it whatever you want. Although I do believe... Uh, and I listened to one of your previous shows. You had this interview um, where uh, wasn't it? The, um, what was it? The guy from the, um, the Media Expo said, "Well, and, uh, for a while we thought the term podcasting was fading away, oh, but Tim, actually, Tim oh, Berkwin. Oh, Tim, yes. And he said it's uh, it's here to stay. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, and, and I I believe that's true. Also, I see podcasting everywhere. Uh, the 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 notion and people associate yeah. it, and sometimes they still don't get it. They think it's just an MP3 file as a podcast. But yeah. Well, who cares? <laughs> that, that's exactly. And, and, you know, it was the word of the year. It's in the dictionary now. Um, the uh, Mainstream people are using it, although people don't quite understand it yet. But the thing is, nobody understood what a blog was back when I was creating HTML documents by hand every day. You're totally right. And my and grandparents blogging. know what a blog is. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, 
Well, it's it's just uh, it has to do with it, it has to enter culture, and and that takes a while. But the adoption of these new media of podcasting of blogging has been so rapid compared to television and radio. I mean, I've been stuck with a black and white television for for most of my younger years, you know, and I I I remember it took my parents years to decide that perhaps color would be a nice addition because they they were like, oh, everybody has these newfangled color televisions. What do you need? What do you need? Color? for it's about the content <laughs> so it, uh, in my in my experience it took a much longer for all the, this old these older media to get established and and it has been for uh, for for newer media and that gives me a lot of hope you know in uh, in five ten years from now it won't even be a question it's just there and you know <laughs> we won't have this, this discussion in a few years from now i'm pretty sure i'm sure it's, it's so widespread well i do want to say one last thing and then we'll start wrapping it up here because i know you got to get out for your morning run uh and and that is one of the things that both father roderick and i have done i think bar none that has brought in uh, a lot of exposure to uh, mainstream people who who maybe are not completely techie uh, and has also benefited uh, us greatly by the growth of our audience. Uh, I'm not ex- not completely certain about the overall retention rate, but but still ad- definitely adding to the bottom line of numbers. And of course, you guys know both Father Roderick and I have both said numbers aren't everything, but we are interested in growing. Uh, and and one of the things that I, that Father Roderick has done, and and both Stephanie and I have done here at GSPN.TV, is we have th- found things that number one, we only pod- podcast about things that we're passionate about. But when we find something that we're passionate about, that millions of other people are also passionate about, we share that passion in a podcast that's different than our normal everyday podcast by creating a new show. And that show might be The Secrets of Harry Potter or The Secrets of Star Wars. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Father Roderick? Yes, um, I think that is the most effective uh, tool we have to uh, gather a new audience. People are are always searching the web and people have become very good at searching and Googling. and so in the beginning of podcasting, it was enough to have a show. I mean, that was quite special. There were so few podcasters out there that I would listen to anything. I mean, if I would look up the list of podcasts that I listened to at the time, I think only perhaps 1% of those podcasts are still around because it was it didn't matter what it was about. It was a podcast, so I listened. Nowadays, people are are always searching for something extremely specific. They will go onto iTunes and they will type in Harry Potter or Pirates of the Caribbean. And it will bring them a list of not just uh, podcasts, but also music, videos. And so they might be searching for the soundtrack of the Pirates of the Caribbean. And then pops up this podcast with this picture of of a pirate. And, oh, what's that? Oh, that is free. That's great. The the CD is uh, $9.99 and this is free. Let's give it a listen. If I don't like it, I can always throw it away. And that's how you can very easily build up a new audiences. And um, the thing is uh, with uh, these speciality shows like you do with uh, the, the, the Lost series and the TV show related series, you have to have a, a real passion for it. If you don't, it's, it, it's going to be a gimmick and people are going to feel it. You have to be a real fan. So don't try to do, don't, don't just 
you know, I could do a, a, the secrets of Oprah Winfrey, and I'm sure that a lot of people would would subscribe to it uh, in the name alone. But I don't care for that show, so I wouldn't be able to do a good show about it. Right. But I do right. care f- about uh, about the Lord of the Rings, and I've I've been playing the Lord of the Rings online for. Well, more over a year now, and I'm very familiar with the books, so I can do a show about that where I just, you know, I sit on my horse uh, in in the game, and I just switch on the microphone, and I start recording, and I do exactly what I did two years ago when I was walking around in the Vatican. I'm just describing and explaining what what is happening and what I see, and give people that kind of virtual trip through a, a certain universe that they love and 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 uh, and want to be in. And and that is a it's it's almost an automatic success. People will see that it will pop up in, in on Google. But most most of the time, people will find me through through iTunes. They'll start listening, and uh, you know, before you know it, you've got ten twenty thousand listeners. Exactly. My daughter uh, is now nine years old, but when she was eight earlier this year, we launched uh, an, a podcast called the Hannah Montana Fan Podcast. Mm-hmm. And her first podcast episode was downloaded by 5,000 people within three days. And she immediately, the next week, I think, went to, it was within two weeks, she immediately jumped up to 8,000 uh, subscribers. And just, wow. and, and it was simply because people were looking in, children, young, young adults, children, looking for Hannah Montana music, Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. music. And they, exactly. it, right up in the list, it says Hannah Montana fan podcast. These kids never heard of a podcast before. And and now they they've listened to every episode and they actually are that we haven't record. We've probably got, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 episodes of that out there. We haven't recorded in a couple months. I still get emails every single day from young children out there saying, I love the Hannah Montana podcast. I listen to every episode all the time. (laughs) And uh, one thing I will say about this, though, with this with this idea of of doing this kind of outreach to, to gain audience members remember the authenticity of of what this is all about if it's just to grow your audience people are going to catch on to that and it has and like father roderick said and 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 stuff it has to be something you're passionate about and recognize that when you create one of these podcasts there will be a community there those people those people will want to interact with you and they will want to interact with each other if you allow them to and if you do not interact with them those people will come and they'll listen and they'll quickly go away. So it, it doesn't mean anything if you're not willing to to stand behind and be a part, a participant in that community and lead it and and, and to develop relationship. Sure. And some final tips about this: um, if if you want to do a show about a, a popular TV show or movie, um, and you see that there are already forty shows, forty podcasts about about that show, um, then either you have to be really the best of the best, but most likely one of those shows is going to be really really good. So you have to ask yourself: Do can I compete with that? Because you know, if 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 you're just one of many, then it will uh, the 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 audience will get diluted. It and people will. How how do they know that you're the best uh, of those shows? So I would say just look for shows that you like and love, and uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, also check out the competition, what the competition is doing. And another tip, and this is very down to earth, but ext- has proven to be extremely important. Take care of your artwork and your website. Mm-hmm, Make mm-hmm. sure that your icon in uh, in iTunes looks awesome, and and is like wow. I, I see so many 
so many horrible pictures out there on iTunes, and I don't listen to it. I really, it's, it's for instance, there was one of the winners of the uh, podcast awards this year, and I heard about I I'd seen the icon in iTunes. And I was like. Gosh, this is done by kids or something. It was horrible. It was a little blue background and some white boxes on it. And it was the uh, Manager's Tools podcast. And someone else told me, no, this is a great show. you got to listen. It's awesome. And it will teach you anything about management and, and meetings. And it's like, wow, I, I would have never guessed that from the artwork. Just my 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 shifting process was going, oh, I don't like the artwork. This is stupid. I'm not going to listen to that. And so I cannot stress enough how important it is to have good artwork, to, to take care, to make a great web, great looking website, because that's the first impression. And that is what matters for a lot of people now. Of course, we hope to, to, to involve them more into the show so that they will see beyond that. But, but people shift through their, this information based on, you know, does it look good? And so take care of that. And if you can, uh, motivate your audience to write reviews on iTunes as well. That that also helps. Absolutely. Well, Father Roderick, I, I, again, thank you for participating in this 24-hour marathon with me. And I just want to say uh, it, it's it's been an honor to have you as what I consider to be a very close friend uh, and, and also as somebody that, that has inspired me in so many ways. So I appreciate you very much. We'll keep doing that, and uh, you keep inspiring your audience, and I'm part of your audience, so <laughs> we help each other. Absolutely. Folks, you can find Father Roderick over at sqpn.com, and it stands for the StarQuest Production Network. And, uh, folks, we, we just want to remind you uh, that uh, we release a lot of episodes here of the Podcast Answer Man for free. If you want to make sure that you get every episode of Podcast Answer Man, including all this wonderful uh, information on how to improve your show, uh, become a gspn.tv plus member. You can learn more about that over at gspn.tv slash plus. Until next time, Father Roderick, thank you for listening and uh, God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon.